Lynn J. Dixon hit the practice field on Thursday for practice number four, and a VFL joins the show. Who is it? Find out all here on a Friday. Locked on balls. You are locked on balls. Your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it, your Friday edition of Locked On Balls. And of course, I'm your host, Eric Kane. As always, you can find this podcast on Twitter at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Balls. Your first listen each and every morning, your first watch on YouTube, subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on there. Can't thank you enough for uh, supporting the show. Uh, great numbers this week, so really, really good stuff. And obviously, it's with uh, fall camp beginning, so that's no shock there. I do radio in Knoxville, Tennessee. If you're new to the show at 99.1 The Sports Animal, you'll likely hear me on the morning show between 6 and 9 a.m., the starting lineup. I also write for the rival side covering University of Tennessee. That is VolQuest.com. And, of course, I'm the host of this show, Locked on Vols. Today, I'm going to tell you what I saw at practice number four, some practice observation. Lynn J. Dixon hit the practice field for the very first time. I've got VFL Ramon Foster joining the show in segment number two. And then I caught up with Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel to get his thoughts on what's been transpiring at Tennessee football camp so far this week. That is your show, segments one, two, and three. Hey, if you want to do me a favor, and you want to help promote this podcast. you got friends, you got family members. That, heck, they're probably just as big as Tennessee fans as you are. We are getting into football season. They need to subscribe wherever they find their podcasts if they want to listen um, on YouTube or watch on YouTube. Subscribe there, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey app, wherever. Let everyone know it's football time. If they want a 30-minute, 30, 30 to 35-minute Tennessee football podcast each and every day. You need to tell them where to find it. So, nonetheless, without being said, let's go ahead and get into it. This is your Friday edition of the show. So, fourth practice of the week, uh, second practice with shoulder pads and helmet. The full pads will come on on Sunday, and they will scrimmage on Tuesday. Now, Tennessee will have an off day, their first off day of the fall camp. Uh, that will be today here on a Friday. But they've got four practices in the books. Again, they'll have shells tomorrow, which is shoulder pads and helmets. Um, they will have full pads beginning for the first time on Sunday, and then they will uh, have their scrimmage on Tuesday. Lynn J. Dixon, that was the big storyline at practice on Thursday. He hit the practice field for the very first time. Now, remember, I talked about the acclimation period. You, know, you got to have two days in helmets, three days in shells, and then you can be in full pads. So he's a couple of days behind, obviously. I guess it'd be about three days behind the rest of the team. So he was just in a helmet today, but a very much of a, a you know a, a first day of school vibes for him. He was out there. Okay, he committed to Tennessee yesterday. Um, he signed his financial agreement papers earlier this week, and uh, he is here on campus and he is practicing with the football team. But you know, and watching him didn't quite you know whenever you move from drill to drill, you go from this part of the field to that part of the field. I mean, these guys who have been here going through spring practice, been here a couple of years, or really with the staff. Um, or even just been here this week. They they kind of get they kind of know what's going on. A couple of times, Lynn J. Dixon was going the wrong way, didn't really know where to go. Very much first day of school vibes. But again, that's that was the biggest hiccup that I saw. And that's not even really a hiccup. That's just kind of new guy in the new place, right? Um, not many takeaways. I mean, the running backs aren't doing anything strenuous when we're out there, and we're only out there for a couple of minutes. But you know, just in observing him, I mean, he's five foot ten, one ninety five. Um, he, you know, takes the hand off the right way. His steps in the backfield are, are, are right. His, you know, his cutting ability, his agility, the burst. I mean, it's all there and it's no surprise, right? I mean, he spent four years at Clemson. 
and now he's here at Tennessee. Remember, remember from yesterday's show, he, uh, he he played three years and three games and then entered the transfer portal, didn't finish off last year anywhere, committed to West Virginia, went to West Virginia this past semester, and then now he's at Tennessee. He never played in the game at West Virginia. But, I mean, he's a guy that is a Power 5 football player. He has played in some big-time football games, been on some really good teams at Clemson, played for a national championship at one point in time. And so... Um, he's experienced and, you know, we talked about what his value can be to this running back room and just having a body, but the upside is there in terms of being a really, uh, a nice, you know, fast, quick, elusive type back. And, you know, Adam Sparks chimes in on this later in the show, but, uh, Friday morning, I mean, you can see it, right? I mean, he's got experience. He is a veteran. He is an older guy. And, uh, more importantly, he is, he is a body. Okay. And that is the most important thing. So the, uh, Lynn J. Dixon era at the University of Tennessee is off and running, and um, we'll see how much he can contribute as camp goes on and add to the Jabari Small, Jalen uh, Wright, Justin Williams-Thomas kind of fold there in the running back room. Um, also on Thursday's practice, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and say in terms of red non-contact jerseys, Christian Charles and Cheyenne Labrusa. Uh, continue to be in red non-contact jerseys. Jalen Wright is continuing to work off to the side. He is, uh, you know, a bit banged up right now, but nothing too serious from what I've been told. Uh, he's getting, you know, work with a, with a trainer. Uh, this is a big note right here. So on Monday, Kamal Haddon was out there looking normal. On Tuesday, Kamal Haddon was out there with a big old brace on his elbow. Wednesday, Kamal Haddon was not at practice when the media was present. I mentioned that on the show yesterday, and he very well could have been inside or whatever, but he was not out there when we were out there. And then on Thursday, Kamal Haddon was dressed in shorts and a jersey. He was not practicing, um, so he is going through some type of injury right now. Now, there was no sling. He was not wearing a sling, kind of holding up his arm or his elbow. There was no elbow brace or anything to that nature, but uh, it is worth noting that he was not practicing. He was off to the side in a jersey, kind of being a spectator, and uh, from from what I've been told, it's nothing too serious, but obviously we'll need to keep uh, tracks on that as the uh, as the days and the weeks progress here in fall camp to see what the situation is there because uh, I believe, if healthy, Kamal Haddon's a starting cornerback for this team, so uh, that is certainly worth tracking uh, for sure. But big points of emphasis at, at camp on, on Thursday, open field tackling, uh, second day in pads in terms of helmets and shoulder pads, so getting the big donut out that, that rolls and the secondary guys take proper angles and tackling it. The linebackers hitting the one-man sled and and focusing on taking the proper angles for open field tackling. Uh, this team really did not do well in open field tackling last year, and so that was obviously a point of emphasis uh, on day four practice on Thursday for uh, the defense. Offensively, I think Brew McCoy continues to look better and better. I think his routes have, are looking more crisp as the week goes on. Um, he's you know taking coaching. You can see him get coached up from Kelsey Pope a little bit between the reps, and he's taking and applying it, and so he continues to look better and better and better. The slot position, I think Tennessee's got you know some some really good depth there. I mean, of course, Jalen Hyatt, uh, Squirrel White, as we've mentioned plenty of times, and, and Jimmy Calloway. I, I really like the options Tennessee has in the slot. And you hope that the outside options continue to progress as well with obviously Cedric Tillman on one side. And then you had Jimmy Holiday, Ramel Keaton, Brew McCoy, uh, Walker Merrill, uh, and then the freshman Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb. So um, those are some of the observations I had from Thursday. The, a lot of group work for the offensive line. The center's working with the guards and the guards working with the tackles. And uh, the defensive line was you know doing the ladder drills and, and doing the bag drills and trying not to... Um, you know, get, get under Rodney Garner's skin any more than they usually do. But uh, nonetheless, those were the big time observations I had uh, from practice on Thursday. There's not many. I get it, but it's it's something right. 
Uh, but Lynn J. Lynn J. Dixon, L.J. Dixon looked pretty good, and um, he looked like a, a power five running back in terms of you know taking the handoff, his steps, his burst, his vision, just kind of going through the drills. You can tell that you know he's been coached up at Clemson for the last four years. So uh, wanted to pass those along in terms of um, you know uh, notes that I had uh, from uh, from from Thursday's practice. Again, today Friday it's going to be an off day. And uh, they'll be back out there su- Saturday and Sunday. Sunday will be the first day of full pads. And scrimmage number one at fall camp will be on Tuesday. All right, I'm going to step out of the way. Uh, in segment two, when we come back, we are going to hear from former Vol, VFL, Ramon Foster, host of 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. And uh, he's a little bit everywhere. But, of course, he played here at the University of Tennessee and starred for the Pittsburgh Steelers for uh, t- 11 years, I believe. So going to have Ramon Foster on the show. And then when we break with him, uh, we're going to have uh, Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel come on, another beat reporter uh, covering Tennessee football, and uh, I chat with him for about seven minutes or so. And I wanted to bring that to the show. So I'll step aside. I'll come back and close this out. But uh, that's what you have to look forward to the rest of the way here on a Friday. But first, I want to tell you about BetOnline.net. It's the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports events from the number one source for all the odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every single league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. That's Live Golf as well as PGA Tour. BetOnline.net continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have got you covered. Head on over to the website today. That is betonline.net, or you can use your mobile device. Learn about all the latest trends and all the action that's happening right now today. That's betonline.net. It is where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. VFL Ramon Foster, also in his second career uh, following a 10-plus year stint with the Pittsburgh Steelers over at 104.5 The Zone, co-host of J. Martin Ramon. Ramon, what's going on, man? Man, not a whole lot of much. Just ready for football season. We're almost here. Pads are officially hitting right now, so I'm good to go, man. Let's go. Yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time, and you know we've been talking uh, in our industry, you know, ever since the end of the Music City Bowl about uh, the 2022 season and year number two for Josh Heupel and all that. Uh, you know, from your perspective, what's what would be a successful? You don't even necessarily have to say you know eight and four, nine and three, whatever. But yeah, what would be a successful season for Tennessee here coming up? My my biggest thing for any coach coming behind since former is, you know, which one of the big three can you get and how often can you get those guys to start honestly chipping away at the block? The big three to me has always been Georgia, Florida, Alabama. Those are the three. Even, you know, when we were a not-so-good team, during my time, we would either get, you know, Florida, maybe we get Georgia. It was always one of those ones. We get Alabama. When was the last time we got that one? It was 07. So it's like, when can you start chipping away at that rock? The coaches since former have recruited well. They've had good years here or there, but it's never been a consistency of winning those games. And I know the Kentucky game means a whole lot because they were a rated team last year. Um, I, 
seven plus wins, I'd almost go eight. Let's go eight this year. That's success. That's being able to show also the fan base for a second year that this offense can work in the SEC because, you know, that was a part of, you know, the big one of the biggest questions we all had was how good can this offense be in the SEC and can he prove himself to do that again? I think everybody's excited about Nico and what he can potentially bring. But let's also say let's let's look at the quarterback that he also has on roster right now. Is it Taven? Yeah. Uh, that that he has on roster. If Nico's not ready, because that is an adjustment. He brings a whole lot of talent with him. But if there has to be a little bit of a camp battle whenever they decide to come in, not just this year, but the year after is what I'm looking for. I'd say getting Florida, having the ability to get LSU and Beating the teams you're supposed to, going on the road and, you know, trying to get a win and pit. That, to me, is the success. I think the pit game, I think the Florida game, I think how you battle LSU and what do you look like against the teams like South Carolina, Missouri, Vandy, doing what you're supposed to do. And year two, that's what I'm looking for. Ramon, which of the big three do you want to beat the worst, Florida, Georgia, or Alabama, as a player and then now has it changed at all? As a player, Bama. Yeah. Bama, I, I'd say during my time playing, we always felt like we could get Georgia. And even recently, it was always those times where you know, we can get Georgia. You know, and I think Georgia's at that point now is like, hey, they are some trench monsters now. They are yeah. a very strong team. Kirby has them in the right direction. Uh, always won't Bama. <laughs> always. Always won't Bama, man. And um, it's, it's, it's funny that Nick Saban is coming out saying that they had a, a little bit of rebuild year. Well, hell, I'll take what you did last year if that was a rebuild. Um, but the game I always want is Bama as a as as a fan now. Somebody that's watching the game, what I see is realistic and attainable. Florida, give me Florida. It's the way I'm looking at, it. and disrespectfully beat them too. I just want to throw that out there as a fan as a VFL that's now covering them, beat them, but also disrespectfully beat them. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, don't make friends in the process, right? Uh, <laughs> absolutely not. You talked about this offense and some of the questions that, and absolutely we were asking ourselves and, and you know, get just going, making all the rounds is, can this offense be successful mm-hmm. in the SEC? Year one, it certainly was. Broke a ton of school records, averaged 39 points per game. I mean, you were pretty much in every single game, you know, for, for a while yeah. you know, if you didn't win that game. Uh, year number two. What will the defenses do in terms of adjusting, in terms of adapting to Tennessee's offense? We, you and I, earlier today when we were doing our hit on your sh- on your show, yeah. that second quarter lull, teams adjusted a little bit. Will there be a second year lull? Will teams adjust? What do you expect in that regard? Well, they gotta adjust. They have to. But this is the thing about that offense. That offense is 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 built to take advantage of people. If you got a young freshman out there that doesn't know what he's doing, if there's a misassignment, they're gonna find it. So that adjustment we will see. But one thing that Josh Heupel and his staff has really harped on this year and since he's taken the job is we got to be able to beat people up. My question is to this offense, the running game was good. You admitted that on our show this morning mm-hmm. here in Nashville, but it's also the idea that can you slow it down and beat people up? Can you get those, hey, now we're second and six and we get a first down? You know, that's what we're looking for as far as that lull. That's the adjustment that I want to see from him as teams around the league and around college football really start to take notice and say, look, if we don't do this, we're going to get blown out. And I think that's kind of what Kentucky ran into last year when they were clearly, let's be honest, they were probably the better team. We had the most, uh, the the better momentum and just the ability to strike when necessary. But that was the determining factor in us winning that game was finding the weak link of their team and 
Now, moving forward, is it has to be winning in the trenches on those second and six, third and ones, heck, even second and seven. Like, that's where we're trying to win football games in the SEC. Uh, obviously, uh, a really, really good standout offensive lineman here at the University of Tennessee and in the National Football League. Let's stay in your wheelhouse here. Tennessee returns four of five starting offensive linemen. There is a left tackle yeah. battle right now. And, well, you know, we just heard from Glenn Ellerby yesterday, and he said, I couldn't tell you who's in, who's in front right now. I, they got wow. a scrimmage, and, you know, we'll yeah. see that on Tuesday. But what do you like about this offensive line? How good can this offensive line be moving forward into this season? I think they see their importance now. Uh, and I, I love Coach Ellerby. I just got to throw that out there, too. His knack for wanting to go get guys, not just guys, but big guys, guys that want to rumble in those trenches, man. For him to make a comment as far as we don't know who it is right now, lets you know just how close and competitive that matchup is going to be. I love the addition uh, or just, the you know, Jerome Carvin coming back this year. I think his leadership skills is probably some of the best I've seen seen on a team on on the Tennessee team in a while I love what he's bringing to the table and if he can get Darnell right to kick that next step in because this is a big year for him man contract year for it is yeah. <laughs> we talk about NIL like no this is the <laughs> real contact contract year for him and he's got a show man I know this for a fact NFL teams track guys. They find the five stars. They find the top 100, 300 guys. And he was one of those dudes. So if he want to make a, a, a claim for himself, he needs to do it this year. And also the same goes for Jerome and, and just the other guys that are on that line. I, I love Coach Ellaby again. Let me restress this saying that we don't know who the guy is simply because the battle has to be that good. And whoever wins it in the end is going to be the guy that that's the best for it, stay healthy enough for it, and I'm hoping it's nasty enough to be at that position because we know this. This is a very defensive league still. Mm -hmm. Lane can do what he wants to offensively. Kirby can do what he wants offensively. Heck, every Shane Beamer, he can – everybody. But you win in the SEC with a damn good defense, and that's what I'm looking for from this left tackle as far as keeping those rushers off the quarterback. Let me ask you this, Ramon. Now, at the time of this, you know, whenever this is live on the podcast, it'll be Friday, and okay. Tennessee will have a you know a week worth of practices under their belt. The shoulder pads and helmets will have been on for two days at this point. Full pads come on on Sunday. How can you win a job before you get into full pads? I know there's hitting. I know I know they're banging around yeah. there and shoulder pads and helmets. You can get a lot done, and plus the technique and it's mm -hmm. mental and all that. But how can you win a job? And it, it's not going to happen. But how can you get a leg up in the in the race? before a scrimmage, um, you know, maybe, maybe kind of kind of looking at this week and J.J. Yeah. Crawford and Gerald Mincy. I'll take you back to one, you know, one of our best years was 2007. And Coach Cutcliffe was huge on the summer training. I'm talking about huge on the summer training. What do you guys look like from the time we leave spring, from the time we get to the start of camp? That's where you win first phase of it is how you look going into camp and cut with such a magician and getting guys to buy into that type of, 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 of just team concept. And, and that's what I would go with those guys, the ones that worked the hardest this summer, the ones that that really get gained in the weight room. They shredded if they needed to as far as their body. Uh, and then when you get to the field and you're talking about, you know, no pads, um, no MEs, no mental errors, uh, looking good too, E-Kane. Like, that's mm -hmm. the thing about it. You got to look like you know what you're doing and you do it. And just the level of intensity about the job. Those are the things that can get you the starting job before the actual pads come on. Knowing what you're doing, 
doing what you were supposed to do over the summer and looking the part too. That's look, you can still finish with no pads on. You can still hustle down the field, even as an offensive lineman. That's how you win coaches over, especially at the college level. It's a matter of what amount of work will you put in before we actually get to football? Because most of the time, other than technique, the game is just a game. And the ones that are going to be your starters, they know what they are doing. So what did you do before we got to this point about playing ball? Because you heard guys say this all the time. I just want to play ball. Yeah. But what did you do before we got to that point? And that's what those coaches, those coaches judge you on before the actual starter is named. Last thing I want to ask you here, and um, I want you to remove your media cap. I know you cover this team. You can right, talk about it every this single day. Real quick. All right. <laughs> I, you know, former Vol, VFL, Ramon Foster. And you've been asked this question, what, one, two, three, four. This will be the fifth time, I guess, since your playing days. Oh. You're number two, new system, new coach, the direction of the program. You know, how you feeling as a guy that's put blood, sweat, and tears in this program? How you feeling about where Tennessee football is? I think it's actually at a foundation point. That's that's where I'm at. I, I as as a as a player watching these coaches, former player VFL watching these coaches come in, I just always ask, how good would they be? What are they doing recruiting wise, and what are they doing culture? The wins will come if if you have a great culture because that means you get the good players. And that's why I feel like we are right now. I look at the way they recruited last year. I look at the way they played last year. And now I'm looking at this early season of the way they've cultivated this this, this rookie class. I said rookie class. This recruiting class coming yeah. in for 23. You knew you needed a quarterback. You went and got one. You know you needed guys up front, so you want to get those offensively and defensively. And you sprinkle in those guys you need that are necessary, those playmakers. I feel like the guys they went and got, as far as recruiting-wise, have been more playmakers. I look at them as Tennessee types, too. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the one thing that always got me. The teams that were really good, you usually have a California guy. You have some Virginia. You get some North Carolina, some South Carolina, some Georgia. You get the, you get the state. And that's what Hypo has done. I feel as if the foundation has been set. So as a fan now, as a former v <clears throat> VFL, I'm just at a point to where I'm like, okay, this is starting to feel right. And again, I got the same questions as everybody else. What is it going to look like again and again and again? And I'll say this. I feel like the level of commitment from Hypo, as far as him wanting to be there, it seems to be an appreciation aspect of it. And I ride with that. I'm a loyalist type of person. If you ride with me, I ride with you. And I feel that with what Hypo has been presented with, and not just him, the entire staff of Danny White and the way he's brought, you know, VFLs and Vol fans together. We hadn't seen this in over a decade plus, and I'm excited about it. Awesome. Less than one month away until it's officially football time in Tennessee. Ramon, thanks so much, man. Of course, you catch Ramon Foster. I know a lot of you guys listening to this pod and watching us right now probably live in the mid-state area, the Nashville area, 104.5 The Zone, 6 to 10 Central Time each and every morning. And Ramon, there's probably some Steelers fans, man. You do a you do a weekly Steelers <laughs> show. Kind of tell us what that is and where they can find that as well. I do the Ramon Foster show. I do it. Uh, it's based out of Pittsburgh. We're talking mostly Ramon students. Foster show. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they put my name on it. Uh, but you guys know I had one destination. That was Pittsburgh. I love that place the same way I love the Vols. And I covered them Monday through Friday. We usually drop the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, 
any place you can get podcasts, we're on there. Check us out if you hadn't. I'm usually on there doing this, having a good time, talking sports, and just trying to be a dude like E. Kane. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty difficult, but you might get there one day, right? <laughs> oh, one day, man. I'm, I'm still learning, but they say I'm all right. Ramon, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Anytime, E. Here with Adam Sparks from the Knoxville News Sentinel. Adam, thanks so much for hanging out with us here today in uh, Tennessee. Nearing the end of week one of fall camp, big takeaway so far uh, when you see this team practice and uh, listen to this team uh, meet with the media. Well, I, I think the offense is going to be what the offense was last year. I think even though there are different pieces plugged in, especially wide receiver, uh, I think it's going to look sort of the same, just different names, different faces. I thought Jalen Hyde has looked pretty good. Obviously, he had a good spring. Um, I like what I've seen from him so far. Um, I'm, I'm wondering about left tackle. I mean, I think at this point we're sort of picky about uh, about filling holes. Um, you get four starters back on the offensive line, you're not supposed to have much of any issues. Um, but there's that one spot, it's a big spot. I mean, you've got to have a left tackle to pr protect uh, and Hooker's blind side. I think sort of adding to that, um, you don't necessarily have a running back that's really good at pass protection. Lanith Whitehead out. Jabari Small is serviceable there, but not really good. Um, not as good as he should be or could be. And so I, I think when you combine those two things, I think you could have a, a hole on pass protection. Again, I think we're being almost picky if we're picking out spots like that uh, on offense. But, uh, you know, defensively, it's just I'm, I'm, my eyes are on the secondary the whole time because it's one thing to say that there's like five or six guys fighting for a spot, but there's like 12 is my best count. And, uh, you know, they've got to figure that out. And everything that they lost in spring in terms of the corners being out and those lost reps, they're having to sort of condense that competition in the secondary, figure out what they have, and they don't really have that much time for the season gets you. Let's go back to the offensive side of the football and a position group that you brought up that, I mean, really it's been the conversation all week long, the uh, lack of running backs in this room right now. Came into camp already thin. You lose Lenith Whitehead. You did add uh, Jay Long, or Lynn J. Dixon. Uh, former uh, Clemson Tigers running backs, had a cup of coffee over there at West Virginia. Um, not necessarily like what his ceiling could be in this offense, but just overall him getting in the room is big for Tennessee. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it is. It's it's funny that they, they needed a guy that was maybe a power back and could pass protect, and instead they've got a speed guy who's a third down back. Now that's fine. I, I think he's a talent. He obviously, you know, showed some things at Clemson in his four years there. Uh, but he's the opposite of maybe what you would think they would get. Now, again, I'll use the word picky. That's being a little picky um, because I think he could be a guy that could get into the rotation at some point. But it shows you that there's maybe a, a little bit of desperation, maybe just a time crunch. Um, you know, this late in the game, when you're in early August, you add who you can add, and yeah. it's a good piece that's available. Um, you know, I mean, this is Jabari Small's job. Uh, Jalen Wright, I think, is the guy that can make the biggest jump. I, I think we're looking at Justin Williams Thomas, the freshman, and almost projecting that he's going to be this all-around back uh, early. I, I could see that, but I could see that maybe taking half a season or most of his freshman season to get there. Um, you know, this isn't just carrying the ball, especially in this offense. You've got to pass protect. You've got to know this offense. And uh, so to add a guy uh, like Lynn J. Dixon, I, I think his experience helps. If he picks up the offense, I think you could see him be a guy that fans will love to see because he's going to 
he's probably going to break off a long run here and there, but not a guy that's going to put in a lot of reps overall. We got some screaming going on in the background. Apologies there, but nonetheless, look at wide receiver. Um, Cedric Tillman coming back is huge, and that's more than you had this time last year. However, Brew McCoy's got to get eligible. We know that. Jalen Hyatt, as we kind of penciled in there at the slot. Still some question marks. I mean, you lost Bayless Jones, very productive. Uh, obviously, uh, De Payton didn't catch many balls, but he, he went for six when he did. Uh, what, what have you seen out of the running, or excuse me, the wide receiver so far, and who's looked good for you so far in this camp? You know, I almost feel like we're discounting uh, Ramel Keaton in the whole conversation because if they, if they started today, if they started the season today, Ramel Keaton would be at that outside receiver opposite Cedric Tillman. And we can say, well, Keaton has been a role player for a while, hasn't been a guy that's, you know, really had his time. But we can say the same thing for Cedric Tillman last year. Those two guys are not terribly dissimilar a year apart. Um, so I, I think Keaton it could be a guy that factors in there. I, I don't think if Brew McCoy is eligible, this is, the job is necessarily going to be given to him. Um, Jalen Hyatt, as you said, I would pencil in as a guy that's going to have a breakout season. Um, Cedric Tillman's going to be good as long as he has help. Uh, that other that other position, I think, is up in the air. I think it's interesting that if you look back at Josh Heupel's offenses, uh, last year at UCF and even back at Missouri, he usually only has three receivers that really produce. You think in an up-tempo offense, you would have to churn out a lot of guys and get a lot of reps, but that's not the case. He doesn't substitute much. So if you're in the top three, you're going to get a lot of balls thrown to you. If you're the fourth, fifth guy, you're not going to get that much. So I think it puts a premium on making the right decision uh, in camp to whittle it down to three. Jimmy Callaway is the guy that what he can he can make a lot of plays, but obviously they haven't been terribly impressed with him. I think the competition between him and Squirrel White as that backup slot is interesting because. Squirrel is ascending and Jimmy Callaway is descending, I think, in the eyes of the coaches. So it's some urgency with Jimmy Callaway because Squirrel White can do something with the ball when he gets it. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll be interested to see which one of those guys at the end of camp bumps up to number two. And uh, a mid-state guy, Walker Barrow, who was primarily a slot last year, seeing him on the outside, I think that shows that you know they like the options of Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb, but not quite there yet. Need some depth on the outside. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll say I'll say on Walker Merrill, he's a guy that's yeah, sort of a tweener, um, and if he can play on the outside, he'll get on the field quicker. Because I think one issue they've had is they've had more slots than outside guys. Uh, they've had a number of guys that can't get off press man coverage, but can do something with the ball if they get it. And so if you can be a guy that can get off press man, you can be physical at the line of scrimmage, you're going to get on the field sooner than later. If Walker Merrill can show he can do that, then, then that'll be the case for him. Last thing, you, you, we've spoke a little bit about the secondary. We've hit pretty much every level on offense. What about that front seven? Um, you lose Matthew Butler, lose a couple of guys that played a lot of snaps for you and everything, but you return Jeremy Banks. Feel like you have more depth with Jawan Mitchell coming back and looking like he's healthy, more more healthy now than he has been in two years. And then the front seven, a lot of veterans up there. I think that they will have the opportunity to be well rested and uh, could be a pretty decent unit for Tennessee, which has struggled at times last year. Yeah, I mean at, at linebacker, it's a big if if Jawan Mitchell yeah. is healthy. If he is healthy, it's, it's a solid unit. Uh, Jeremy Banks is another guy that I think sometimes we sort of discount and say, well. A lot of tackles, some plays, but then the personal fouls, then the penalties, all these sort of things. Around the conference, Jeremy Banks is looked at as a premier uh, linebacker. Yeah. And I think Tennessee fans, most of them do, but I think they need to see him through that uh, that um, 
that filter and not necessarily see the penalties as uh, sort of the, the top line on his uh, on his bio. And, and think about who he is now instead of who he was his freshman and sophomore yeah. year, getting in trouble off the field and everything. He's come back and, by all accounts, has kept out of trouble and been a good teammate. Yeah, and, 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 and he can be a factor in this defense because I think you have seen him grow year to year. I don't think he's a guy that's been stagnant or stale on the field. Um, and on the front line, I mean, I think there's almost this abiding faith Similar to wide receiver on offense, I think this is a, this is a biting faith on defensive line that they'll they'll find a guy that a guy will step up. Last year was Cedric Tillman on, on at wide receiver, and it was Matthew Butler at defensive line. I think there's this thought that you did it last year, you took underutilized pieces and made them into all SEC NFL caliber players like Butler and like Tillman. So now the defensive line this year, there'll just be another Matthew Butler that pops up. I don't know who that'll be. I mean. I mean, Byron Young's going to be pretty good. Tyler Barron's going to be good, I think. Uh, but in the interior, there's like five or six different guys. And, you know, I, they're one for one in producing that type of guy. So I would yeah. think they'll find out who it is this year as well. Adam Sparks, Knox News Sentinel. Thanks so much, man. Good to be on. Awesome, awesome stuff there from Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Big thank you to him for stopping by the show. And, um, always try to, I know this is um, the show that is primarily my voice, but I always try to get as many different voices as I possibly can to give you guys some different perspectives. I know you don't want to get, uh, I, I know you probably get tired of listening to the same old stuff from me all the time. So always try to bring on some different voices when I can, just to give you guys uh, maybe a different perspective from uh, one of my colleagues um, on the beat. So Big thanks to Adam Sparks, Knoxville News Sentinel. Big thanks to Ramon Foster of 104.5 The Zone and, uh, of course, the former Vol, and I uh, appreciate his friendship for jumping on the show. And a big thank you guys, uh, as always, for making the show what it is. Uh, we will come back on Monday stronger than ever, get ready for a new week at Tennessee Football Fall Camp. Week one is almost in the books. I will tell you Monday all about what I saw from practice on Saturday and Sunday, anything big from over the weekend as we continue to see how this Tennessee football team progresses through fall camp. This is Locked On Vols, your very first listen each and every day. Check out Locked On SEC. Make that your second listen after Locked On Vols every single day. And continue, please, to subscribe and follow us on YouTube and uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Wherever you find your podcast, you'll find us. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please give me five stars and rate me. Uh, give me a positive review. That would mean so much to me. Thank you so much to all you guys for making this what it is. Um, really, really do appreciate it. We'll come back next week stronger than ever. Same time, same place on Monday. Pull up a chair and hang out. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend, everybody. <laughs>